Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. It's really a blessing to be back with you. We missed you dearly, and uh, we're so refreshed and so grateful for the opportunity that our church body here gave me and my family over this summer to be refreshed, to spend time with the Lord and reconnect uh, as a family. And uh, I do want to take this opportunity also to thank all of our guest speakers, our staff, our pastors, our elders, uh, and deacons, and uh, ministry leaders, volunteers, everybody across the board here at the church who stepped up and stepped into serving and helping. Can we just give all of them a round of applause for all of their work? And I know they don't do it for an applause from a church, but, uh, you know, uh, they do it for the Lord, and it's, it's evident and very clear. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really grateful to be back. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to open up uh, God's Word and, and study it together. I don't ever want to take that for, for granted. And, uh, you know, it was interesting when we went into this sabbatical, uh, I was thinking, okay, you know, the Lord's going to show me some really cool things about our church and the future of, of ministry. And, uh, you know, he did to a certain degree uh, show some of those things to me, but far and beyond he did more in my own personal heart than he did for anything or anyone else. And he showed me how much pride is in my heart. He showed me how impatient I am. Uh, he showed me how I do a lot of things um, in my life for the applause and to um, please other people. Now, I know, I'm sure you guys don't have any of those issues going on uh, in your life. I'm just speaking for myself right now, but it's interesting when you take a snapshot, just kind of a moment, you know, I, I guess the seasons or even just the calendar, if you look at it, gives you kind of an opportunity with, uh, you know, fall and, and, and winter and, and spring and summer. I know we don't have too many of those. Uh, they blend together in San Diego, but when you look back on three months and you look back on your life and you say, well, what, what did God do in my life in three months? What steps of faith did I take in my life in three months? Where was I challenged uh, to grow in the word or in prayer, uh, you know, or my, deepen my relationship with the Lord over the past three months? I think those are moments and opportunities where we can ask these types of reflective questions. Of course, uh, I'm a little bit more reflective uh, having come out of a season of that, but I think we can all do that uh, from time to time in our lives. And the Lord wants to challenge us and, and encourage us that we would grow in our relationship uh, with the Lord. And so um, while uh, we missed you dearly, it's, it's great to be back. In fact, I don't know if you know, but uh, I actually did a couple of undercover pastor episodes here at the church uh, over the summer. And none of you recognized me when I came in and when I came out. But praise the Lord, you were all very loving towards me and accommodating to all my different beliefs. And even when I complained about uh, the coffee and the refreshments, you were so kind and considerate. No, just kidding. None of that happened. None of that happened. There was no undercover 
going on. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. And I don't know if you know, just kind of maybe some behind the scenes, I wasn't pulling any strings and listening to what was happening and telling our pastors and leaders what to do. Uh, we completely disengaged, believing and knowing that every single one of our team is filled with the Holy Spirit, that they are fully capable of following the Lord, being unified together here at, at the church and ministering to the needs of, of people, which are many and which take care and compassion and love and time and effort and energy and blood, sweat and tears to be able to love people. And, and our team did that so very well and I'm so very grateful for them. And in fact, uh, just awesome, even with our worship team, uh, just the sweet presence of worship this morning is very, very special. You know, we are going to be jumping into a new book of the Bible, and if you're kind of new to our church, uh, you know that we study the Bible. We go through chapter and verse, book by book. From time to time, we'll go through a couple series uh, to address some things, but we are going to be jumping into a new book of the Bible, uh, the book of Daniel. So um, if you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to grab them and turn with me. It might take you a little time to find Daniel. It's in the Old Testament, uh, but you can also turn to the person next to you and say, hey, can you help me find Daniel? And then he'll say, well, my name is Daniel. You found me. Here I am. See, again, I, I only have a couple of jokes, so please indulge me. I've been gone for a couple of months. I really need this type of feedback. Actually, you know what? Maybe that's some of the things the Lord was teaching me about. Uh, um, but uh, now, uh, we are going to be looking at Daniel, and we'll get into that in, in just a, a moment. Uh, but uh, hopefully also you grab your Dan, Daniel journals. They look like this. Uh, we provide these for each of the book of the Bible series that we go through. It has the entire text of the book of Daniel, as well as uh, lined paper there in the side to be able to take notes and jot things down. And let me encourage you, I think the the best way to make the most out of our studies on, on Sunday morning, a couple of things. One is to prayerfully open and surrender your heart to the Word of God, to be open to God speaking to you. Another thing is to go on to our website, questsd.com, and you can look at any of our resources there. Uh, we, I, I'm really focusing in on Word and prayer as, as my main lane here at the church and in putting together study guides and devotionals uh, for every single day of the week for us to be able to be unified on the text, to have similar themes running through our hearts and our lives as we're scattered from this place and in, in, in various works and, and school and things like that. So you can download those things. In fact, um, we'll provide a link in the next e-bulletin. If you haven't signed up for that, you can do that on our website. If you want to subscribe to uh, the daily devotions that I'll be writing and sending out, based on the key verses of the book of Daniel as we go through them. They're just, in the morning, devotional thought, just kind of focus you. Um, and uh, as we study through this book together, it'd be a, a great resource for you. You can download our sermon notes as well, just provide additional resources. And the study guide is an overview of our study on Sunday mornings. It provides a context of what's happening in the scriptures, uh, provides a brief little devotional, reflective questions, even a suggested prayer. So let me encourage you to really dive deep into God's word with us as we go through um, this study. And I, I do have a couple of announcements. I was given this announcement paper um, before I came up, uh, just about a couple of things. One is uh, the Tuesday morning, uh, second and fourth, it's called Into His Presence. I think there might be a couple of slides up on the screen, but it's basically focused in on prayer. It's in the fellowship hall. 
uh, you can go to our website or sign up for our e-bulletin to get information about it. It's a, a prayer for, for women to gather. Um, is this just prayer? I'm sorry. Am I reading this right? Okay, prayer. Focus on the, on the Lord and pray for the needs um, of, uh, of our church and of our family and of our world. Uh, but then also there's a Tuesday morning uh, Bible study that's going to be starting up a new study in the book of Nehemiah. And so that's on Tuesdays at 9.30 as well. The times and all that information is available on our website or connect with Lonnie uh, uh, about um, or, or Jana about the, the information for the women's study and uh, you can get connected there. So um, we are, like I said, going to be looking at this book of Daniel. And let me just share a couple of thoughts. One is, <clears throat> is that over these past couple of months, I, I've really been focusing in uh, the Lord was really focusing my heart in on prophecy. And it's interesting when you look at the scriptures, uh, there's about 8,000, a little over 8,000 verses in the Bible. And when you look at the Old Testament, there are a little over 1,200 prophecies in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and in the New Testament, there's a little over 1,800 prophecies in the New Testament. You put those all together and you, you do the math that the Bible consists of um, just about 30% prophecy when you deal with future events and things that uh, were foretold um, years, sometimes hundreds of years, before events ever transpired. And when we look at the book of Daniel, we're going to see a couple things. One is if you just kind of um, outline the book of Daniel, you'll see that it's divided into two main sections. The first six chapters, the 12 chapters total, the first six chapters deal with the stories of faith. We're going to be looking at these very familiar, popular stories about um, uh, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who do not compromise in their faith and are resilient uh, to be very courageous in the midst of the Babylonian culture. And so these stories of faith deal with Daniel in the lion's den. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace because they're not going to bow down and worship other gods. And you see these young men. In fact, the, most scholars believe that these uh, men were teenage boys, 13-year-old boys, 13 to 17. And we don't know for sure, but very young boys who had discretion and discernment who were very courageous and faithful. And I don't know if that would describe your teenage 13-year-old son, but uh, hopefully it does. And hopefully you're doing the best you can to teach and train your son in your home to be this type of individual. But uh, Daniel is a great example of someone who did not compromise in their faith and really stood firm in the midst of their culture. And so, like I said, this First six chapters of Daniel deal with the stories of faith, and then the last six chapters deal more specifically with prophecies of the future. And in those prophecies, we are going to be looking at uh, future events foretold by Daniel dealing with the Great Tribulation. In fact, um, it's interesting that there's some speculation as far as the authenticity of the authorship of the book of Daniel being Daniel, when in fact Jesus, in his ministry, validated and verified a prophet Daniel, who spoke of these things uh, centuries before, dealing with the future events of the Great Tribulation and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I think that the convergence, hear me on this please, I think that the convergence of prophecies of future events and the resilient faith, and I know we've entitled this series, Dare to be Different, the difference 
that Daniel and his friends made are the intersection, I believe, where we're at in our world and culture today. When we're dealing with the pressures of our culture and of our society to compromise, just that's a very simple question to consider. Where do Christians face pressure in our world today? Well, where do they not? I think that there's pressure uh, to conform, to conform to the ways of this world. There's pressures to uh, compromise in our faith. In fact, there's been an attack on the Word of God from the very beginning. In the Garden of Eden, Satan said, did God really say? That's not really true. Satan has been attacking the validity and the truth of God's Word from the very beginning, and we find even more of that happening in our world today. That uh, if, if Satan and the world and the culture can compromise the, the, uh, the truth of God's word in Christians' hearts, or the truth of God's word, uh, dare we say, in the pulpits of churches, or the truth of God's word in pop culture, then we can identify Christians as people who are ignorant, as people who are old and outdated, of people who need to up their beliefs to be more contemporary with the times so that we're not offensive or, you know, wrong in our beliefs. And so there's this constant pressure in our world to compromise, to conform. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, it talks about how we should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I think that leads us to this kind of main point, not only in chapter 1, but also in the life of Daniel, is that we cannot transform the world by conforming to its ways. That we will look differently. When you dedicate your life to the Lord, you are going to look different, you're going to sound different, you're going to be different. And I think by studying through the book of Daniel, we're going to be challenged, we're going to be encouraged, we're also going to see the intersection here between our faith in real time and the events that we are exposed to currently. There's rules and laws that are being passed. I don't mean this to be political. I just mean this to, be, um, to have our eyes open, to be awake, to have the Bible in one hand and, and, and the news in the other, and to be well-informed, spiritually discerning Christians in our world, even as Daniel said, okay, I might be, I might be living in Babylon, but I don't have to live like a Babylonian. I might be living in a culture that is hostile to my Christian beliefs, but I can live in such a way. And Daniel was very polite. He was very reasonable, but he was also very firm. Where we have laws and rules that are uh, it just, pa- just passed this week in California, in the state assembly in California, that parents who do not affirm the gender identity of their kids are, are deemed not fit to provide a safe and healthy home environment and those children can be removed from their homes. I don't mean this to scare us. I mean this just, this is what's happening. It's backwards. It's a, it's a fight against uh, the family. It's a fight against Christian beliefs. It's a fight against the, uh, the source and truth and the standard of, of, of biblical truth in our lives. And I wonder if there's going to come a time where we have to take a stand can you believe it? Even in our, our world and culture, and I think it's interesting um, when you look at some of the, I have some pastor friends that um, are being sued. There's a $2 million lawsuit for a friend who's a pastor up in the Bay Area because 
they were worshiping and gathering dur- during the COVID times. And uh, this lawsuit is still going on even to this day because they were open and they were worshiping. Have we come to a point in our culture where the government is now saying that we can't worship and sing, that we can't gather? You know, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of the brethren, to gather together and worship. And again, I don't... I'm not, I don't want you to think that I'm swinging the, in the completely opposite you know, pendulum and saying, okay, now we're going to become all political and now we're going to be uh, you know, fighting and picketing and, and, and running around with signs and things. If you want to do that, okay, you know, you're an American citizen, you can do that. But I'm saying let's be informed. Let's live because there's going to come a time, and I know many of you are teachers, and uh, potentially have lost your job because you um, stood for your Christian beliefs in the school system and you've lost your job. But I know others who are, are school teachers and administrators in schools who are using that opportunity, even though you're in a very difficult and oppressive and challenging environment, you're using that opportunity to be a Daniel. Uh, to be somebody who is going to make an influence and a difference. Dare to be different is our theme. Transforming our world, not conforming to uh, its ways. And so there's a couple of things that we're going to see here in the verses this morning. One is we're going to see that um, the Israelites, we're going to see the context of this whole situation and story. The condition is is that Israel and the Israelites are restrained and... um, and taken into captivity in Babylon. Secondly, we're going to see these four men, as I mentioned, young men, young boys, refuse to compromise their faith. And then thirdly, we're going to see that the king is going to review the features and the characteristics of these men and see that God has done a remarkable work in their lives. So, jumping into Daniel, hopefully you're all there, Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And I don't know if you, you might have a little title on the top of your chapter there, it says that Daniel and his friends obey God. I know that um, over the months uh, we probably uh, have taught from various uh, translations. And uh, just so you guys know, if you wanted to follow along with me, uh, you know, word for word, um, exactly with how, you know, I'm reading. I'm reading and studying from the New King James Version. I think that's a, a great translation of a literal translation as well as just a, an easy read. That's not to say other translations are, are bad and evil, but if you wanted to follow along word for word as I read, New King James Version is what we will be uh, reading and studying through. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And anyone who can, who can spell, without looking, Nebuchadnezzar, you get an extra brownie point. You get a little star on your shoulder or on your chest vest or whatever you want. I'd like to just call him King Neb because I'm just going to mess up his name every single time. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Babylon at this time was one of the most powerful uh, nations on the planet. And uh, Babylon, uh, the, some, some scholars say that uh, the city of Babylon boasted over 200,000 people, which was just a massive, powerful city at the time. You can imagine these, these boys that were hauled off to Babylon, seeing this king and seeing the power and seeing the statutes. And it was a very pagan city. 
there was a lot of idols and, you know, various temples to the different gods. In fact, uh, these boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their names were changed uh, to names that would honor various different gods in the Babylonian society. So King Nebuchadnezzar comes against Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Everyone say, the Lord gave. I know that's kind of a long, it's not one word, easy to say, but the Lord gave. Now this is the first of three references. Circle this in your Bible, underline it. This is important to understand. This is the first of three references where we see God's sovereign control of the situation. First is the Lord gave Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. We need to remember that King Neb didn't take anything that he wasn't first given authority by God to take. The Lord gave. The Lord orchestrated. The Lord moved in all of these situations like a conductor of an orchestra. Here is is a picture of God's sovereignty over the circumstances and situations and saying, I'm going to allow these events. And that might be difficult and hard for us to understand that God would allow us to go through circumstances that are, are hard and, and challenging and difficult. But oftentimes, God leads us through these or allows these things to ha- take place in our lives to humble us, to break us, to get, a, get our eyes focused on Him so that we're dependent upon Him. But God can even work, uh, God can work even in those difficult times. The Lord gave. The second one is the Lord brought. The Lord brought Daniel and his friends into favor with uh, the king and, and the superintendents and all these sort of uh, leaders when they were brought to, uh, to Babylon. And then lastly, we're going to see that the Lord gave Daniel wisdom and discernment, Daniel and his friends, wisdom and discernment, all these characteristics that you cannot uh, learn apart from the Lord. Now, it's good to have you know, skill and ability. You learn that as a, as a young man or a young woman. You might have gone to trade school or even gone to college to learn different experiences and, and trades and, and get training. But uh, there is uh, spiritual training that the Lord wants to take us all through. And when we go through spiritual training, God gives us these types of traits. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But the Lord gave. This is a picture of God's sovereign control over the situations. And this is a huge geopolitical environment right now. You have the Babylonians, you have King Nebuchadnezzar, you have uh, at this time very powerful Pharaoh in Egypt, you have the Assyrians, uh, you've got all of the geopolitical situation happening in the region and God is saying, it's okay, I got this, I'm under control. And uh, he's dealing with his uh, people. His special people, Israel. And why would the Lord give, why would the Lord give uh, his people into the hands of this pagan, brutal dictator, this brutal ruler? Where we're told in a couple of various scriptures, we're told in prophecy, you can write this down in wherever you want to write it down, <laughs> so you can remember in your notes that this um, was prophesied by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 39, verse 7. You can jot that down and look at it later. We also see these events described in 2 Kings chapter 24. But if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that God was very gracious and opened up a covenant with his people, and yet the children of Israel disobeyed God. They, um, uh, they went after other idols, and there was this judgment. There was a cycle that... Uh, 
the children of Israel would disobey God, that God would bring judgment upon the children of Israel, that they would be taken into captivity, and in their captivity they would cry out to God, and as they cried out to God, God would be gracious and merciful. He would restore, redeem, and renew them, and when everything got comfortable, guess what happened? They would fall right back into their sin. And so this was this cycle. So God gave the children of Israel into the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar, one, to fulfill prophecy, but ultimately to punish, to bring judgment, to bring the rod of correction so that they would return back to the Lord. You know, the Bible describes the relationship that God has with the people of Israel as well as the people of God as a marriage relationship. He says that you have prostituted yourself to other gods, you've committed, the term is adultery. And that speaks of the, um, the close relationship, the intimacy, the personal relationship that we have with God uh, in that covenant uh, relationship. And so here is this picture. God is bringing judgment. He's using the Babylonian people to do that. And uh, the Lord gave into his hand. And some, in verse 2, some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and uh, he brought the articles into the treasure of his God. And then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel. So we see the word some, not all of the articles of the house, not all of the people. There's still people back in, in Jerusalem. And uh, he's bringing these children of Israel, some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And to them the chief of the eunuchs gave the names Daniel, Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. We'll just pause there because here we see the opening verses, the context, context and the condition, the situation that was going on, as I mentioned, uh, all the powers at play. In fact, Jehoiakim was an appointed Judean king by Pharaoh in Egypt. And at this time, Egypt and the Babylonians were enemies, and so they were constantly fighting. So for King Nebuchadnezzar to come and besiege Jerusalem and dethrone Jehoiakim, it was this uh, punch, gut punch, if you will, uh, to Egypt and to Pharaoh in Egypt. And so there was all of this fighting going on, and yet Israel, ultimately we know that they were restrained and they were taken into captivity in Babylon because of their disobedience, because they disobeyed God. The sovereign control, as I mentioned, prophesied by Isaiah, um, depicted in these events. Now, what's interesting also is that I was back in the early, late 1800s, there were tablets that were discovered in archaeology, tablets that were discovered that uh, described the political uh, and the military efforts of King Nebuchadnezzar, the first 10 years of his rule and of his reign. And many of these events 
are, are described in those tablets and they were later published. We also know that there was um, other archaeological artifacts in the region and in the area that uh, validate and verify the fact that one, King Nebuchadnezzar existed, two, there is a Babel, Babylon, which is a modern-day Iraq, um, uh, three, that, um, that uh, there was a siege against Jerusalem, and uh, all of these events are, are accurate and, and are true. It's validated in archaeology and the artifacts. And so we see that King Nebuchadnezzar was bringing these men into uh, Babylon basically to indoctrinate them, to teach them and train them the ways of, of the Babylonian culture. A couple things, to indoctrinate them, to educate them on the ways of, of Babylon, but also to eradicate the Jewish people, not only eradicate them and the nation, but to eradicate any traditions or any religions or any customs or any beliefs that they may hold dear as Jewish men, a Jewish people in the city and in the culture of, of Babylon. And so we have this context that's, that's happening. However, the story changes here. Notice what happens in verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that the that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he questioned, uh, he requested, excuse me, of the children of the eunuchs, of the chief of the eunuchs, that he might not defile himself. Everyone say purposed. He purposed. This is a, an intentional a purpose that Daniel makes. This is kind of the key verse in understanding this chapter. You can underline it, highlight it, remember it. But Daniel purposed in his heart. You see that? In his heart. I think that making up your mind in the moment to do what's right in whatever challenge you face starts by settling the matter in your heart first. How do you do that? Well, you spend time with the Lord. You spend time in prayer. You spend time allowing Him to refine your character and your, and your beliefs and your trust and your dependence upon Him. Uh, you ask the Lord, you fall upon the truth of Scripture, you say, God, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to act? How do you want me to behave? Uh, how do you want me to believe in these circumstances and situations? And it's not, uh, what, I, what I mentioned earlier about Daniel, it's pretty amazing. He was uh, very polite and, and, and uh, very reasonable in his request. In fact, he was so certain of his beliefs held true in his heart that he was willing to put all on the line and put it to the test. And I think that there will always come a time when you have inner convictions, strong convictions that you are, have from the Lord that are based upon Scripture, there will always come a time where your inner convictions and your inner faith will be put to outer pressures. There will be outer tests and outer pressures. And the Lord is going to test that faith, as the Bible says. The testing of our faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. But Daniel and these young men refused to compromise their faith. He purposed in his heart. And he came up with a plan. Here in verse 9 it says, Now God had brought, there's a second, intervention of God. You can circle that and remember it. This is divine intervention from God. Who needs divine intervention from the Lord in your life right now? I said across the room right now, yes. Lord, just show up. Where are you? I need you. I need you to handle this situation. I need you to just work. And sometimes we don't see God working, but he is working. He's faithful to complete. That's that which he started in your life. 
And even though you might not see or sense that God is working, he's always working. You know, when you have a God-honoring conviction like Daniel had, you will see a God-given blessing from him. It might take a little while, but, uh, but God is always faithful to provide for his people, to deliver his people. And when you have a God-honoring conviction and say, God, I, I don't know how this is all going to work out, and I really feel like I'm being put to the test right now, and it's hard. I want to back out. I want the pressure to just be released and removed. And God says, I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be with you, even when the pressure gets ratcheted up. God brought Daniel, notice here, Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. This is God's work. You know, there's a scripture that I always go back to when uh, I encounter difficulties with, you know, people that, you know, are maybe not Christians or situations. I know I relied a lot of this when I was in the Navy. And uh, just, you know, I was on the ship here stationed in San Diego, a big uh, aircraft carrier for five years and went to two deployments. Uh, and, um, you know, it says that when a, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, he will cause even his enemies to be at peace with him. And I thought, Lord, just I pray that you just live that. I, I want that verse to live out. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be peaceful. But when a man or a woman is committed and dedicated to live differently than the culture and the world around them, to stand up and not compromise in their faith, that God will do a work in and through your life to cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. Now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. And uh, I think it's in the New Testament as well. It talks about how we should do everything that is in our power to live at peace with all people. That doesn't mean that everything is going to just work perfectly and you're not going to have to say some difficult things or make some hard decisions. But Daniel is a great example of God working in his life when he had a conviction, a strong conviction. Verse 10 says, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are of your age? And then they would endanger, then you would endanger my head before the king. He was afraid he was going to get, you know, chop off with the head because he was defying the king's orders, which is very real threat. So Daniel in verse 11 said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Man, if only all, every single test we experienced in life was just for 10 days, then we could, just, we could hold on, hold fast, and make it through. But this was Daniel's suggestion. He was willing to put it all on the line, to offer a reasonable request and say, okay, let's see how God can work in these 10 days. Now, I don't, we don't ever want to put God to the test. Uh, we don't ever want to do that. But I think that if you have a heart for God to work in your life, then you can do like Daniel and come to him and say, God, I'm, it, whether it's 10 days or 10 months or 10 years, God, I'm not going to move from this place until I see you work until I see you move, until you work, work in my heart and, and in my life. And like I mentioned at the beginning when I was sharing with you guys, more often than not, it's God going to work in your heart than he's going to work in the circumstances around you. Yes, he will work in those circumstances, but he wants to touch and work and move in your heart first. And so we see that not only Daniel purposed in his heart, he made up his mind to do what was right beforehand, 
by settling the matter in his heart. And now he's going to say, okay, let's see, let's see how it plays out in real life. Let's see how it plays out, friends. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. This is where faith begins to run. Let's see how it plays out when we go to work on Monday. Let's see how it plays out when we go to school on Monday. Let's see how it plays out when we go to court on Monday. Let's see how it plays out when we go to the ship at uh, the military base on Monday. God, let's see. I want you to work. And this is Daniel's example. Here's a suggestion in verse 12. Please test your servants for 10 days. Let them give up vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. As you see fit, so deal with your servants. We're going to put it into God's hands. And by putting it into God's hands means allowing God to work through other people who might not even surrender or believe in God, allowing God to move in their hearts and lives to orchestrate his plan and purpose in your life. Well, that's some real big trust, right? That means letting go. That means just saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm, going to, I'm not going to control this anymore. Now, who likes to control things? You don't have to answer that in front of all these people, but uh, maybe you want to raise your hand and say, yes, I need to get out of control first to allow God to take control of my life. Hands off. Okay, God, hands off. I'm not going to try to control this situation anymore. I'm not going to try to control this person. You know, Daniel could have tried to use his wit, his discernment, his wisdom, his skill, his ability. Think about it, 13 years old. Maybe you have a 13-year-old witty boy at home who's trying to manipulate you. And uh, he's very smart. But uh, this wasn't Daniel's approach. He wasn't trying to be manipulative. And uh, maybe sometimes we try to do the same thing with other people. Well, if I could just get this person to come and do something that I want them to do, it would be easier for me. Daniel wasn't taking the easy way out. He was taking the path of, I'm going to trust you. You know, there's another verse that I was just re- reminded of that says, the wisdom from above is first peaceable and gentle and willing to yield, full of good fruits and mercy and without hypocrisy. You see, the willing to yield part is where I fall short. I'm not willing to yield. I'm not willing to wait. I'm not willing to put it into God's hands or into another person's hands and trust and pray and seek the Lord on my face before him in his word saying, God, I need you to bring. I need you to give. I need you to move. I need you to do. And maybe that's where you're at right now. And you're just crying out to God saying, God, would you just do what only you can do? Willing to yield? Are you willing to take the road with the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to trust you. This is a long, difficult, bumpy road. It's very hard and painful. God, what do I say? What do I do? He'll give you those words. He'll give you that wisdom. He'll give you that di- direction as, he, as you're put to the test sometimes. You know something about tests? I don't know if you've ever failed a test. <laughs> I know we were just talking with my girls They're just doing so wonderful, and I'm so proud of them. But I also like to push them in their grades. And even though they have like a 4.57, which is unheard of in my mind, um, I I was telling them I graduated from, I I say I graduated, I barely graduated from high school with a 2.4. That's pretty wild. I'm burying all of my just, why are we at that church and that pastor, you know? (laughs) Who is this guy? 
man, let me learn from somebody who's more edumacated. <laughs> I don't know. Well, praise the Lord. I applied myself later on and ended up getting a doctorate degree, which is to the glory and praise of God. But it was just in the context of recognizing that, I mean, I failed a lot of tests back then. Not only on paper, but I also failed a lot of tests in my heart. And if you're honest, you know that this last week, man, there's just, oh my gosh, there's so many things I, I, I fail in talking with my kids, in losing my temper and being short with them and being impatient and having to humble myself and go back to my kids and say, would you forgive me? I shouldn't have responded that way. Or put it in the bigger context of what we're talking about here with God orchestrating events and situations in your life right now. There are tests that are happening, the testing of your faith, character, discernment, wisdom. All of these men, these young boys uh, expressing discipline and determination and dedication and discernment let alone the character that God gave them later on in these verses. You see, Dave, uh, excuse me, Daniel said, I'm going to purpose in my heart not to defile. Did you pick up on that word? Defile. I mean, what's the big deal? Daniel made a big deal out of a little meal. What's the big deal? And sometimes it comes down to the principles that we have. You know, if you look at this word in the original language, we see that this has to deal with polluting or being stained. It was a deep conviction. It was a spiritual decision on a couple of reasons. One is the food that was offered by the king's table was one, sacrificed to uh, idols. Two, it wasn't prepared in the kosher way for the religious traditions and rules and commands that the children of Israel were to follow. And so there was this conviction. Now you can just you know, take other examples that you might see in Scripture and other rules that are being applied in our current context. But for Daniel, he didn't want to pollute himself. He didn't want to be stained with the things of this world. Hey, this is another application for us. Here's a question for you. Is there anything in your life? I know it's kind of hard to ask, but I've been honest with you thus far today. Is there anything in your life that is defiling you towards the things of God? Is there anything in your life that is a pollutant that is defiling you? You know when there are things, and I think every single one of us has them, you go back to the Lord and you say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. It's called repentance. Repentance is not just feeling sorry for ourselves, but is turning and living and being a completely new person. This was a spiritual decision. And you think about the pressures that Daniel was facing at this time. One is to disobey this powerful, mighty king. The second pressure he faced was, okay, well now I'm going to be seen as uncooperative and I'm going to be ostracized and an outcast. Secondly, there was a very serious threat of punishment. Off with his head. Or what about this? The food was pretty attractive for somebody who was a captive, somebody who didn't have these delicacies in um, in, in Jerusalem, but now who could indulge themselves. I've been a good boy. Now I can enjoy these things. There was an attraction of the food and of the, the ease and comfort with which the king provided for these men. There was also the pressures of being separated from family and from friends. And then lastly, there was perhaps and possibly a feeling that Daniel had 
that he was abandoned by God. God has rejected us. God has abandoned us. He's allowed us to be taken captive into Babylon. What in the world? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you don't have a safety net around you because you're away from family and friends? Or you, you feel like the king, the king who has the rules, if I, if I disobey these rules, it's, it's going to be off with my head. It's going to be some consequences that, you know, I think I could just deal without. Or things look really good. They're tempting. They allure you and I. They entice you and I to participate, to partake of. And yet Daniel here is uncompromising in his faith. Or maybe you felt like God's just abandoned you. God, if you really love me, you wouldn't allow this to happen in my life. God, I'm serving you at the church. I'm tithing and giving money to the church. I'm going on missions trips for the church. I'm helping and all these sort of things. And we think, well, God owes us something. I don't know, maybe you felt that way. Sometimes we think that way. Okay, well, it's all going to be good. God, have you abandoned me? Have you ever felt that way? God, you're just gone. Where have you gone? All the articles of the temple, they're taken. There's no place to feel safe and secure. You know, sometimes when we think that God has abandoned us, it just means that maybe, maybe, listen up, maybe we've abandoned him. God's not the one who's going to walk away from us, but oftentimes I've found that I'm the one that walks away from him. And if you want to get right back with God, just takes one step. Okay, return to him. Listen to him. Seek him, right? Spiritual decision. I don't, I don't want to be defiled. Lord, I want a pure heart. I want to be used by you. There was a test, as I mentioned, these inner principles are put to the test from time to time because of the pressures that come, because we live and look and talk and sound completely different than the world. Notice what God did. I mentioned the results here in uh, verse 15. They looked even better. Wow, that's pretty cool. This is remarkable because there is no reasonable ex uh, explanation for us to say, okay, these four men ate vegetables and, and drank water for 10 days and they were just glowing. I mean, you might feel a little better. Your complexion might be a little bit better, but 10 times better, the wisdom and the discernment, there's a couple of things. One is that they had a hearty approval from the other leaders around him, and they had a healthy appearance. This is none other than the work of God in your life. This is divine intervention by God to say, I'm going to take care of these boys. I'm going to watch over them. It was a result of divine intervention. And then lastly, notice what happens here. Here's the result. Here's the conclusion. Verse 17. And as for these four young men, God gave. Everyone say, God gave. Here's a third reference to the sovereignty of God. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. It's not Daniel. Uh, it's not Jehoiakim, it's not the eunuch or superintendent, it's God. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the end of the days in context is three years. Daniel endured the training and the time the education, the indoctrination, the teaching of the culture, the teaching of the language for three years. 
He endured and he completed the program. He's before the king. And in verse 19, the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel. Wow, could it be said of us by the Lord or by the world, by the people around us? None was found like that person. They were really like Jesus. They really, they were the real deal, genuine and authentic in their relationship with the Lord. None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. And then Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. It's interesting we have a couple of time stamps here in these verse, verses that talk about the longevity of Daniel's service and the impact he had from one nation to the next nation. Here we see the king review Daniel and his friends, his features. We see a couple of characteristics. We talked about some of them already. They had wisdom and, and skill and, and ability. But um, what, I, what I mentioned before is that worldly training is good, but godly traits are great. It's important to have skill. It's important to uh, be competent in the work that you put your hand to, always growing. Uh, one of my core values just as a person is to be a lifelong learner, is just to grow, to learn, to, um, you know, understand things, to be inquisitive, to ask questions, to expose yourself to new experiences. In fact, that was one of our, our goals this summer as a family, was to do things we haven't done and to see things we haven't seen. And that was kind of fresh for us because we're in environments and circumstances and situations where it's just fresh and new. As I mentioned earlier, I, I, you know, I think that God has some new and fresh things for us as a church, but I also think that it's an opportunity for us to do things we haven't done and see things we haven't seen as a church. So I'm excited to pray with you and through, uh, through that process with you guys. But, um, you know, worldly traits and skill and ability are good, but godly traits are great. How is God building holiness and patience and kindness, the fruit of the Spirit? You know, as I prayed before we left on our sabbatical during the summer, was, Lord, what do we want to focus in on as a church during the summertime? And it was this word, thrive. And the idea was like a plant that was just rooted in good soil and had the, the sunlight, the nutrients, the, the cutting and the pruning and just, I mean, wonderful fruit that could, that could grow from, from this plant. And the desire was wonderful fruit that could grow from our lives as followers of Jesus. And the team did a tremendous job of and even uh, uh, Todd this last Sunday talking um, just kind of an overview about those virtues of, of fellowship and of the word and of prayer and of sharing of our faith and of generosity and the, just the, the outpouring. These are the qualities that Jesus cares most about. These are the qualities that he wants to grow us in and grow us up towards. These traits that are modeled in Daniel. Notice there's a couple of things here. Even though Daniel was fully immersed in, ba in Babylon, he stayed, listen up, even though he was fully immersed in Babylon, he stayed immensely holy to God. That's a real important principle for us. 
even though you may be in the midst of the most depraved situation and circumstance, the most ungodly and unholy environment, you can, like Daniel, remain immensely holy, set apart and pure to God. This is a great example of that. Why? Because when you dedicate your life, as Daniel did, to the Lord, it's going to look dramatically different. Now, that's, that can be kind of a double-edged sword, if you will. One is it's going to cause you to stand out, meaning you are going to be exposed to more criticism because of your beliefs. But secondly, it also is a lesson I learned when I was in the Navy, that even though the people on my ship called me reverend and, you know, made jokes about me and said, oh, don't tell that joke because, you know, Sherwood, this, that, whatever his beliefs are, and I would be made fun of. Do you know who came down the hallways in the berth area where our racks were when we were at war after 9-11? There'd be guys that would come up and say, hey, you know what? I'm really hurting right now. I'm away. I just missed my, my, I just missed my child's birth. And I'm really fearful we're going into war in, in uh, the Persian Gulf. And uh, I don't know your whole God thing, but would you just pray for me? The other thing that it allows you to do when you look differently than the world, it allows you to shine brightly for God. And when you shine bright for Jesus, you will attract gnats. <laughs> You're going to attract... No, I just thought of that. I, I thought, I should say this. Because someone needs to hear it. I don't know. Gnats. One is you're just going to be annoyed. There's going to be a lot of complaints and problems. But also, it's going to draw people to the light of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you can pray for people. You can share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. You can tell them how, you get, how you're getting through. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. I, I, I just got married a month ago, and, I, and, and, and I'm away from my wife, and it's really difficult and hard. And, and, uh, and, and let me tell you how God has given me comfort and, 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 and hope going through this. And you just pray for somebody. That's powerful. That, um, you know, Daniel had a long, successful career, even in the midst of a lousy and dreadful conditions. You might be thinking, man, that is my life right now. That is my condition. That's my work environment. It's lousy and it is dreadful. I don't want to go there. But how about turning the tables, allowing God to turn the tables, change your perspective. You can go into the lousy, dreadful conditions of your work environment and have a long, successful, impactful, transformative uh, career and life shining for Jesus like Daniel. See, oftentimes when we are in those situations, we just murmur and complain. Uh-oh, is that kind of like the children of Israel? Well, if that's the case, then God's got to bring a couple Babylonians. He's got to bring a couple captivities. He's got to bring a couple tests in our life to get us back to the point of, okay, God, I surrender. You're in control. Let me trust you. And let me allow you to do the work that is needed in my heart first so that I purpose in my heart. I'm intentional, God. I want you to do what you're going to do no matter how difficult it's going to be. Does that sound like a plan? Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, our worship team, you guys can come on up. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. It's a 
encouraging verses, but challenging as well in Daniel, daring to be different. We don't want to be different. We don't want to look different because the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. We don't want to get hammered down. Lord, you got hammered down. Wow, think of that. Jesus, you allow us to go through suffering and pain. You didn't go through suffering and pain for nothing. You went through suffering and pain so that we know how to endure suffering and pain as well. And as I saw hands across this room and maybe even those watching online, that you're in a situation where you just, you need divine intervention. I pray, Lord, that these precious people would begin to see the hand of God move in that lawsuit or in that school classroom with that teacher or with that superintendent who won't give you that promotion. You're fully qualified. You've done everything for the company and yet you're getting pushed out by this new person. God, I pray that you'd help them have favor. I don't know how you do it. But you have the ability to move kings, presidents, nations, powerful people for your purpose and plan. Maybe that difficult superintendent God has placed in your life to refine your heart. God, whatever it is you know, I pray your Holy Spirit would teach us. As we go out from this place, may we have the perspective of Daniel. He could have complained. Man, if anyone could complain, it would have been Daniel. If anyone could have thrown in the towel, it would have been Daniel. If anyone had given up on God, it would have been Daniel. Lord, help us to live for you. with the consequences that you bring. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.